0: And welcome to the next episode of DDR, a podcast all about the one, the only, your favorite drow, Drizdo Erdin! My name is Justin, and in this episode, we'll be diving deep into chapter 18 of Homeland, titled The Black Room. Discussing all of our favorite plot points,
1: characters, and more. Justin, I got to say, that, that might have been my favorite lead-in from you <laughs> yet. Like, I could hear the NCAA tournament in the background, <laughs> the, the cannons. <laughs> bar, bar, bar. Beautiful, beautiful. You should have done it! I was hyped. I was hyped. <laughs> my name, guys, I'm Jeffrey, and I feel like by now you should probably be getting down to the format a little bit, getting used to it. So what I'm going to do is we're going to explain to you real quick that this book and D&D, well, you might have noticed they got a few connections. So, just a few. Maybe just a, a lot more than I'm actually going to really remember or catch. So, we're going to take a little bit of time inside of this show to make sure we show you the, uh, how this part of the chapter and the tabletop game are connected.
0: Awesome. Following along with the show is super easy. Just grab a copy of the book, read the next chapter, and tune in every week. But remember, we want to hear your thoughts too. You can share those with us um, via email at drizzduneright at gmail.com.
1: So we've got the email. We do have the Instagram page for Drizz, uh, Drizz Dunright, and we do have the Facebook page for Driz Dunright. So we decided, much like an infomercial, but wait, there's more. Let's throw in the Discord page, right? <clears throat> Done right. got the Discord page. What you've got to do is you've got to go ahead, go into the episode description all the way down, and you'll find this this little link that we've personalized just for you, the listener of this this episode right here, Click that link. Come on in. We've already got a motley crew of members inside of our Dim Light Squad. That's the name of the people that we came up with to, uh, you know, give a little shout out to the 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 fans of the show that get together and go beyond the page. We like to dive a little deeper, and you know, it's a fun way for us to be able to help make them a little bit of a part of the fabric of this show. Because I mean, I don't know about how many other podcasts you listen to, but mostly, I would say the fabric that they have is made up of the people who push play on that button, and we're no different. So we put it there for you. So, when everybody mm-hmm. brings up something that's a little bit different. Something we love to feature, we just slap it in the show, throw it out there. Justin, <clears throat> have you noticed our demographic breakdown lately?
0: I haven't. I haven't taken a look until you told me right before the show, Jeffrey. Well, in a There's... fun
1: turn of events, go ahead, throw it out there. Give it the big
0: news. What? There's nineteen countries now. Nineteen. Just within the past week, we've we've gained two more countries. Correct. I don't. Were, were we keeping track of of the exact countries that? No, had? I was not. No, I mean, so. I was
1: kind of keeping an overall view because it breaks down our percentages per country. Right. But uh, right. as it grows, I'm always like, wait a minute, why is this list getting longer? Like, you know, as I get older, I got to spin <laughs> down the, the dial where it's like, what right. year were you born? I just keep going. It's like, wait a minute. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> wait a minute.
1: There wasn't this many when I checked a while back.
0: <laughs> so we have what? Uh, the Dominican Republic is obviously a new one. And yep. I, I'm pretty sure New Zealand is the other new one.
1: I do believe that uh, we both now are live in New Zealand and the Dominican Republic for the first time since the show started. Yeah, it's kind of cool.
0: Wild, wild. For all we know, Jeffrey, this is, these are just people listening with VPNs or something. And you know what? Either way, I'm okay with that because right now the
1: people who are either listening from those countries or through the VPN of those countries, they represent our international market and as we watch you guys are responsible <laughs> for like you know jostling your spots in the rankings right now we had mentioned before that Canada is standing number 2 so strong up there at the top of our list with a whole 7% mm-hmm. there if you, if you want to take over that spot, what you do is you tell a couple of family members, you go get a couple of friends. Maybe you hang up a flyer at your local library where, you know, you get 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 a couple of new strangers together and you guys can bond over the fact that there's this fun podcast you guys like listening to. And that's, uh, that's us. It's us.
0: <laughs> and you just like, let us know that you did that. And we'll let you know if those numbers go up, like, <laughs> yeah. And
1: look, shout out Canada. Just want you to know you got to, you got to, up those numbers and fend off all those challengers can't let people come topple you from the top of the hill right
0: (laughs) and maybe one day you guys can topple the united states in our numbers
1: (laughs) yeah i look to be honest i never expected anybody to listen outside of the united states so for all of you right now who are listening to us and thinking that we sound funny thank you (laughs) you know beyond that uh it's it's pretty cool for a little bit of a behind-the-scenes shot for the the followers of the show our audience really for the first time is now almost diversified beyond Spotify. So it, it, it usually makes up a large chunk of our listening where you guys are pressing play from. And now it has been dismantled by other other avenues yeah. like Pocket Cast, Overcast. They've come on strong pretty hard. Uh, iHeart Radio is a, is a big puller for us it's right a now. a big
0: one. And,
1: uh, you know, I kind of like to think of it like, look, it's Girl Scout season, guys. Uh, We're the cookies. Just get out there, throw them around, and uh, keep bringing people in. (laughs) We'll keep firing out fun content for you to listen to, and hopefully we'll just keep riding this wave of momentum together.
0: Yeah. Awesome. You know,
1: at the end of the day, it's it's more than a little bit humbling. I've gone on long enough. Justin, how you been?
0: (laughs) Oh, you know, Jeffrey, uh, it's been... It's been a lot lately, but I got to say, like, I, I took some time this weekend. Uh, I did a thorough cleaning of my aquarium with my two angelfish, and I got them a new LED light. And right before we started recording here, I just took like two minutes just to go sit in front of the fish tank and just watch them swim around. And oh it's I never thought growing up that I would like fish as a pet.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, I can see that they're not very interactive. Like, you're not playing fetch you, with them.
0: Exactly, they're not. I mean, I never thought that fish would be excited to see you. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you're you're not like cuddling up with them or anything like that. But fish do get excited to see you. At least, like they start to recognize, like, hey, when that person comes over, they give me food. Yeah. So we're gonna like. <laughs> but really, it's the it's the chemistry that really got me into the whole fish tank thing. But, um. I say, angel I started, fish are not the easiest fish to uh, to deal with and keep a tank on, right? I mean, that's what they say, but I've had my angel fish laying eggs and hatching them, but you know, I don't do anything with them because, right. like, I don't have room for five hundred fish, <laughs> so they end up just <clears throat> eating them. But
1: <laughs> hey, guys, stay tuned for the DDR buy a fish. No, I'm just
0: kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we'll give them out as gifts. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: got a new merch link, guys. Go in there and buy a fish. Click. No, I'm just
0: playing. We're not gonna. We're not gonna sell live fish. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. Have <laughs> no, no. But uh, yeah, it was the chemistry that got me into it. But then it was like, oh no, like fish are. It's just so calming just to sit down and just like watch them and you know they'll chase laser pointers and stuff. It's oh wow, it's a lot of fun. I would yeah. not think that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway um yeah it's it's been a a busy time my official classes started at work and so i'm you know studying all day coming home and studying some more and you know that's just what my life will be until september so this pod getting getting to sit down and do this podcast with you is definitely the highlight of my weeks oh i like doing this with
1: you too buddy (laughs) hopefully it's the highlight of a few other people's weeks too when those mondays roll out we get to chase away some of the blues for you guys
0: Yeah, so that's how I'm doing. How are you doing, Jeffrey?
1: I'm doing pretty good. You know, just been kicking around, uh, keeping caught up on my TV programs, not doing anything fantastic or exciting. You know, it's funny as an adult, you kind of, you you look forward to those little lapses in activity sometimes where it's like you got so many things juggling and going on that it's nice to just kind of be like, you know what, (sighs) like you talked about sitting there for two minutes in the fish. (laughs) I had to sit out there in the garden. I got the cats that walk around. Sometimes it's nice to just have those little slow moments.
0: Yep. Absolutely. No, it's, uh, once things get too busy, it's like, you know, as a somewhat introverted person, it can get to be a little bit much.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, mental health is real, right? And some days you just, you gotta have a spot to recharge and a way to do it. And if you don't, I feel like sometimes you're just going to end up running yourself like a, like a sponge with no moisture. It's going to be a tough day to be flexible, buddy.
0: (laughs) Or butter spread too thin on, or what is it? Shoot! Ah, oh, I totally butchered it. <laughs> um, butter spread over too much bread, right? Just like uh, what Bilbo says <laughs> in oh, the Lord of the Rings. Know. No, oh, God, no. <laughs> but All
1: right. Instead of keeping it slow, why don't we fire it back up? And why don't we jump on in here? What do we What do we, we do go. after we get caught up with the intro?
0: Let's jump right into the drizzed. Yes.
1: For those of you who are listening, the Trist is the part of the show where we take a look at this week's chapter and give you the tryst of it. <laughs> as the chapter begins, we find Alton DeVere, a.k.a. the Faceless One, being pushed aside as Vierna enters his chambers, much to the surprise of Alton. It quickly becomes apparent that Vierna has used the Faceless One as an agent before, and Alton began to like, na- uh, nimbly navigate his way through this perilous situation. Before he could begin, Vierna had prostrated herself before him, apologizing that the payment for his role in the house, uh, in the role of the fall of House de Vere, was a cream that should have healed his face. <laughs> Vierna assured him, you know what, look, the payment for his role as a spy for the house to word, and this time would be a fancy wizard staff. I mean, they couldn't use it. They don't have a, a wizard capable of throwing that staff around. So they're going to give it to Alton, try to. Or, sorry, at this point, she's giving it to gel Roos to attempt. Right, right. And <clears throat> it's something that he would find extremely valuable. Inside, though, Alton wanted to rage. He wanted to lash oh, out man. and claim vengeance. But even though his mind was reeling, he did manage to keep himself composed and promised that he'd do what he could to help house to Worden. After Vierna left, Matron Sinefé made a quick appearance later that day, and Alton was quick to fill her in on the situation. She had known that Deenan and Vierna had resigned their positions at the Academy, but found a delicious irony in the, in the fact that House de Worden had reached out in hopes of using Joe Bruce Hinnet as an agent, who's the son of the house who is plotting the fall of House de Worden. But as the irony gets deeper, the person that Vierna actually places her hopes in is Alton de Vere, the lone survivor of House de Vere, which is the house that House de Worden eradicated. So the actual lever they're going to pull on to help try to cause the how- fall of House DeWerdin is the same person that Vierna walks in to say, hey, could you help us find the people who are looking to come get us? Wild. Uh, because of the attack of House to from House DeWerdin, needless to say, Alden is not going to be giving as much reliable information as they really hoped that he would. Then Alden thought massage might be in danger because, you know, House to Warden is on the edge, and Matron Sinafe didn't worry. She knew that their identity was secure. Alden sought to use his position to deceive Matron Malice, but Matron Sinafe realized the folly that would surely ensue when Matron Malice saw through this poor guys. They had too much to lose to act recklessly. She began weaving a plan in place to implicate a higher house, even, and maybe hope to send House to Warden into a little bit more chaos. A realization dawned on Alden, though, and he stopped Matron Cynafay to clarify if she had given Jelrus permission to betray House Devere. And Matron Cynafay quickly throws him to the ground and, and warns him to never confuse personal feelings with politics and to never question her like that again. So she threw him to the ground, but never let him go from her gaze. He knew that he was a minor pawn in the scheme between the houses. But her rage as she stood over him, reinforced her power, and he realized he had far overstepped his boundaries.
0: So, sorry, let me stop you there. Do you think she gave Jelru's permission to do that?
1: Oh, foreshadowing. We're going to talk about that.
0: All right, cool. (laughs) So, as the chapter continues,
1: uh, short answer is yes. As the chapter (laughs) continues, we find ourselves brought across the Mushroom Grove to a small, heavily guarded cave. Beyond Iron Doors or iron-bound doors, where there stands a single room. And this room is used only for the gatherings of the city's eight ruling matron mothers. What an eerie picture that paints in the mind to think of these eight female drow, who I I have to imagine are all on the elder side, sitting in this room, weaving the power of Menzo Berenson.
0: And, and like, I mean, they would have to have their guard there, right? They would have guards... I mean, this would... I feel like the rest of the city would know that this is going on, right? Like you would think, like- I don't think
1: so. I think, and, and you know, to the people who have read further along in the books, who, who who've already had spoilers and everything else, forgive me if I trample over it, because I'm just going to go ahead and speculate on where we're at right now. Cause we haven't learned anything. So from this point, no, I think you have to think that they're funneling in from like a secret chamber of sorts that they're okay. using some right. kind of a guarded entrance to go in here like a, like a Supreme Court justice entering the thing, you know, just keep them like not cloaked or whatever, but a way right. to secretly enter so that people don't know business is afoot, especially when you look at the way that the chapter ends.
0: Right. No, no, no. I'm on board with that, but it's yeah, I just feel like Oh I want like to know more details I feel about like, this
1: room and <laughs> I feel like people would know pretty soon. Because I feel like mental yeah. barons and works as an echo chamber. As soon as something happens, you know, uh, of value, it gets passed from one to another to another, and, and right. within within yep. time, it'll everybody right. will know. Yeah. But you picture these these older ladies, because you know, being a matron mother, I don't think any of them are spry and young. But you know, older ladies are sitting at this gigantic spider-shaped table, all right. glittery in their jewelry, and begrudging the fact that they're called to leave their chambers to attend these. You know, what they see as honorary seats for any reason other than a true emergency. Yeah. Alton watches these women walk in, and he can't help but feel like this maliciousness in the air. The power <laughs> these women wield was more than a little intimidating, but Matron Sinefay was there with him, gauging the women as they entered. The meeting began when all were seated, and Matron Sinefay was quick to call for the punishment of House de to quite a few gasps at the table. Matron Bayon Ray questions her. After all, matron Malice was thought to be strongly in the lull's favor, especially after placing two children at the academy in such high positions. The matrons of the ruling council clamored for proof. A False claim was on par with murder, and the years had been quiet by drow standards. Matron Sinefay began a tale, house of, uh, a tale of House Devere, and was scoffed at. That mm-hmm. it had been 30 years ago, after all, and the issue was forgotten. It was mere memories by now. Which is... <laughs> Always one of my coolest things to think of when you see long lived races is how quickly these uh just gigantic events in history must just seem like forgotten lore to them. Like, oh that was so long ago. You know right. what
0: but oh, it was like right. yeah, like thirty years in, in a drow's life is like ten years to us. I mean even less probably. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, Matron Malice explained that House Devere or sorry, Matron uh Bayon Ray. Explains that House DeVere could not be caused for punishment, more like cause for compliment, because whoever pulled that off did such a perfect raid. Matron Cinefe played the moment perfectly and explained that her guest was proof of House DeWerden's treachery. The room looks over and the room saw son, Gelrus. But she revealed him to be none other than the lone survivor, Alton DeVere.
0: Oh, man. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Matron, Matron Bane Ray quickly calls out for magic to be used and then soon found that no lie was being told. I like the idea that that's like breaking out the uh, the lie detector, right? Like, bring it in. Bring right. it in. Oh, yeah. Strap him and up. It- listen. <laughs> Go ahead. Now, are you saying the Again,
0: truth? spoilers. We will be talking more about this. <laughs> <laughs> we call that foreshadowing. <laughs> With Alton revealed,
1: little had changed for Matron Bane Ray. After all, it had been 30 years, and Matron Malice was in favor of the Spider Queen. It made little sense to try and exact punishment now. And Matron Sinefe, she, she deftly sidesteps and asks not for justice, but for the council to look the other way. The other council members wondered about the convenient timing of this accusation. This must surely be a ploy by House Hunet to advance their standing. And Matron Sinefe explained that, well, you know, they should look the other way for the good of the council. For the good of their sons, whose quest for recognition, but are already living in the shadow of Drizzt to And I found this really odd that, that she kind of uses the males as a way to pull on the heartstrings. Right. After all this time leading up to it being like a male child, and we know the lack of worth they hold. Like. Right. So why is she in here pitching like, you know, your sons need recognition?
0: Yeah, well, I guess... Yeah, to have a ninth house son male in the academy. Uh, what's his name? Burgignon or Burgignon? Yeah. for Burgignon to be shadowed by a male from a ninth house. I guess even though they're male, like it's it's still just a.
1: Yeah, I mean, because uh, I guess you're still collecting stamps, right? Like there's the matrons in right. their houses, and they're still like, "Well, I need that shiny stamp that says uh, you know number one at the academy," and I don't have that. That's it's, it's yep. a good point.
0: Gotta gotta get that achievement. I figured at this point she's probably pulling
1: out all the stops, you know, in hope of driving her point home. Whatever she can grasp onto. yeah Vengeance or prudence, the way of the drow, required the claim to be deemed legitimate. Matron Bayon Ray lets out this little chuckle chuckle that sounds kind of like a croak. It's hard to tell, but she saw an end to the problems either way. For if House Hunnette went after House DeWerdin, then Matron Malice may end up with her seat without threatening anyone else on the council. Matron Cinefay seemed willing to take that risk. Whichever house came out on top, maybe collateral damage would claim Drizzt and give Bergignon a chance to rise. Matron Bay and Ray called an end to the meeting by declaring that it was a good thing they never met.
0: I loved that. That you was right, that, really cool.
1: That belongs in, like, uh, like I, the only way I can think to explain it is like a Harry Potter lore, right? Where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. your, your invitation has arrived. Like those, those, those lines that just right. close the chapter, but bam, you can hear yep. the thing fall. Like <laughs> when she stands up and says, it's a good thing we've never met. I just feel like they should yeah. start cueing the music. Like ding, da, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like, that was so, so good. Yeah.
0: Um, And yeah, that, that definitely goes back to what I was asking before. Like, I feel like a uh, a a whole group a, a group of 8 matron mothers meeting in a room uh, there has to be a secret way to get into this room or else all of Menzo Barons on would know about it right. and so to say we never met i mean maybe they use magic somehow i don't know i don't know
1: cuz it's i mean it's too like you figure if it's just the one door in the mushroom grove and everybody Someone knows about would it. See. You'd have somebody on a on a style lizard parked on a wall somewhere, just scoping it. Totally,
0: right. totally. You know, I mean, like, or you maybe you, you
1: go find a bugbear, you kick them off a couple of drow credits, and you say, "Hey, you watch that door, and if it moves, <laughs> you send somebody over to my house, and you let them know."
0: But at the same time, if you have eight matron mothers, as we saw how powerful they were in the last episode, eight matron mothers, if. They caught a spy. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. You know, <laughs> that is a good point because you. I mean, that's why you'd have to outsource that spy. You could not have anybody close to that you, from right. your home.
0: Right, but they would have to be very skilled in order to not be seen.
1: <laughs> yeah. So then you probably cool. wouldn't
0: want an amateur. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know about that bugbear. Can't but...
1: wait to see what kind of spy-like fellas we may find in future books from the main houses.
0: Hmm. <laughs> I'm legitimately lost. I, don't, I, I <laughs> Oh, it depends on how far you get a hold.
1: He's a fan favorite. I absolutely love the guy. He's a villain slash uh, becomes part of the, uh, I don't know, uh, the world, I guess is the best way to say. He's one of my favorite characters. Okay. I think cool. if you go into the Dim Light Squad and look at uh, a lot of the guys that
0: uh, there call have been somebody a number... out,
1: there's two yep. that have been yelled out yep. a lot. Either one oh, will yeah. fit no, that I've, bill.
0: I've seen it, and you know, I... Because if you think I've about those
1: it, two being a, uh, I don't know, a rogue, a spy, an assassin, um, just an infiltrator, they yeah. fit the bill.
0: <laughs> no, say, i say I've only read about five of these books and all over the place. Some of them connected with each other, but... Oh, it's um, going to be so no, much
1: fun as we go forward to see, like, the childlike wonder when you walk into the computer well, and be right. like,
0: and, I don't believe they did this! <laughs> and even though I've read this book, this is probably my fourth or fifth time through... I don't remember a lot of it. So even there it's it's been a lot of fun. But anyway, um that's the drizz, right? And it is now time to talk about our favorite parts in the dim light reel. The dim light reel, it's where we cast darkness on our favorite parts of the chapter and dim light All of our favorite characters, events, descriptions, and more. Such a fun chapter. Not a total ton of stuff happens, but uh, a lot of really like crazy things in, in their own way. So my favorite part this week has to be the answer to my question that I've had a number of weeks ago. Why doesn't Alton... Go to the ruling council and tell them that House DeWerding killed House DeVere. Remember when I was asking that?
1: Yeah, like, I mean, why don't they just run up to the police, stand in front of the place, and say, hey, right. hey, guess what happened? Well, yeah, yeah, you got your and answer.
0: I'm, and, yeah, I was just like, <laughs> I was like, hey, look, my my question was answered. And, yeah, so Alton going to the ruling <laughs> I council. I think you were happy to-
1: <laughs> getting your answer than Alton was giving it, you know, at that point. Yeah, that? I, I
0: think so, yeah, yeah. So, um yeah, so Alton went to the ruling council to accuse House de Worden. Um It it just it made perfect sense to me that he would do that. Uh, he's a house noble that survived an attack, um, and so boom, like House de Worden gets leveled by billions of demons, with the academy students ringing up the rear, you know, shooting arrows or lightning bolts through the drow that try to escape through the balcony, and then they get Pink eaten Floyd by the demon. Laser and- show. <laughs> <laughs> so turns out not so much alright so when Alton does reveal his true identity to the ruling council not as Jelruz, but as Alton Devere I was like here we go they're like they're gonna do something and uh, but no they just said what did they say like it's been too long and Jeffrey yes have you been reading ahead because I feel like that was your answer <laughs> <laughs> um, back when i asked this question you were like ah, it's been too long they're not gonna do anything <laughs> i may have read
1: along and made notations but i do my best to stay within the, the framework of each chapter
0: <laughs> so yeah matron ban ray basically said you can't expect us to act on something that happened so long ago and so after and, and yeah of course like my brain is just like has it been that long 30 years Like, okay, in real life, how long does it have to, how long does, (laughs) how much time has to pass
1: Statute of limitations is what you're asking, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? I guess seven years. I don't know why, but I guess seven.
0: No, I mean, decades. Like, it didn't seem like there was necessarily, like, you can't be grandfathered in and like, okay, like, you killed that person 30 years ago. And you're, you're good now. Like, because we didn't catch you, you know? Like, really?
1: I I really thought that was a thing. Like, if you had evaded capture I mean, for a certain I, period of time, like, you then, then like, oh, well, sorry, it's outside the statute of limitations. You can't be charged. Well, or is it, you can't be charged for a crime from that long ago, but you
0: can, if you've p- committed it and been charged, they can chase you. Maybe? I, I don't know. I'm I didn't no good at real dig- life law, buddy. I didn't want to dig too deep into it because I felt like, I was going to be put onto, like, an FBI oh, yeah. list because oh, I'm yeah. searching, like, how long can I, like, go? Like, how long does it take for me to not get charged with murder? Like <laughs> You're a grown man
1: who hosts a, D- a D&D session. I can only imagine the things that you actually research in order to put together a good game would really, really pop up kind of funny <laughs> with no context.
0: I mean, I always make sure to put D&D 5E in all my Google searches that involve <laughs> any kind of spells or...
1: <laughs> like, how do I kill that annoying guy? God.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, slash D&D 5E. So uh, I didn't put too much effort in it, but just a very, very quick Google search. It just looked like you you can be convicted of murder even decades after you committed the crime. Uh, so yeah, House to and Committed Murder... A lot of times, I don't know how many, how many um, drow there were in House Devere. Only thirty years ago, and they have just been found out officially by the ruling council by by a a noble from that house coming forward. And the police of the city are just like, you can't expect us to act on that. Uh, I'm like,
1: whoa! What do you <laughs> like, mean? Look, that's a oh, – I mean, there's paperwork and <laughs> –
0: ah. I mean, do they have paper? I don't even –
1: No, but you think about it and I it mean, is – They it's, have scrolls, it's right? It's a neat look at the difference between the two because we saw earlier with little girls from House Tekken
0: Mm-hmm. They were right. the
1: survivors, right, technically? Right,
0: right. Yep. They came
1: forth, and they their case was heard, except they were also absorbed by House Bayon Ray. And their right. house was auctioned off. And since there's none of that, and nobody has any way to gain resources, Matron Bayon Ray's like, look, it's hardly worth me getting out of bed to that, call a I guess that's counsel. true. Like, you want right, me to because... summon demons from a different plane and not have an auction
0: of all the people in your house? They're all gone. That is a very good point, Jeffrey, because... Yeah, the only thing left of that house is Alton. Yeah. That's it. No
1: pieces. Everything else is gone. No leverage, no no collateral to take out a loan of vengeance. Nope, nothing.
0: But then, mm, at the same time, you could almost tear apart House de Worden. And there, in guess- fact, is why Matron Bayon
1: Ray <laughs> sits back and goes, Mah. Sure, let it go through. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because if Matron Cynfae would have asked and and demanded that there be justice, it, she wouldn't have got it, and she would have been right. cast as kind of an, like an outcast of the group because she's on the Security Council. Matron Bangray, yeah. she's sitting at the top of this council, realizing that Matron Malice is hungrier than any of the matrons inside of this table. Whether that's true mm-hmm. or not, that's the appearance she's giving off. And yeah. Matron Bangray maybe just maybe even thinks that House Toren would come for her, and in, in order to keep her and her friends, her collection of power safe she's like you know what fine eat one of the ones i don't care about what is that who right how do you say that (laughs) two c's yeah no go ahead have fun (laughs) take it out and then either matron cinefe is successful and you don't have Uh to worry about house doard anymore or there's no house hannet anymore and i don't have to listen to this lady bring up things from 30 years ago i got my buddy matron malice she's new to the security council let's continue to have these secret meetings
0: yeah so um, yeah my, I was really excited to see my question answered Thanks. and also this this just showed another example I feel I feel like it shows another example of just how the society of the drought is just so upside down because it's just <laughs> like here look they like, the police aren't doing their thing, right? They're right. just like, look, they they, and they survived. They accused yeah. that house. Nah, it's too late.
1: <laughs> no, and it's crazy when you think about it because they're, they're undermining their own reputation in a way, right? Because their reputation is strict drow justice. Like, you know, what if I catch right. you? If I catch you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not going <laughs> to work well. And then they got a chance, and there's this this opportunity just falling over in front of them with, like, their shoes untied, and they're like,
0: nope. But nah, look, it's right there, time. like,
1: doesn't really interest me, though. It's not worth it. <laughs> like, what right? do you mean not worth yeah. it? Like, And yeah. there's that arbitrary system, and it really does, to me at least, reinforce that, yeah, it's it's the... Power of Loth, right? And Loth is the deity right. from which they they get their structure and their organization from. And awesome, but really, it's the ruling council. I mean, the ruling council interprets right who uh, how Loth's favor is seen, right? Because mm-hmm. we know that you know that it's not it's not all rosy with how Drizzt and uh, Zachnafain see Loth. Like they're not the biggest supporters, and there's probably some some some. Issues that Lolt would have. And, she, you know, she's a big deity, she sees all that. She knows all that. But right. Matron, matron Bang, right? Mm-mm. She's like, no, Matron Malice is high up in there because she's met all the tickets and ducats. She's a friend of mine, punches all the categories necessary. I think you're wrong. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That is done, dropped.
0: Like, set it yep, to the side. That's it. That's all done. Yep. <laughs> so, that had to be my dim light for this week. What do you have for us this week, Jeffrey? Well, for me, I went with
1: Secret Agent Jelroos.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Fun little dim light that I wanted to take
1: a little closer look at was when we find out that Jell Roos was really a secret agent in the drow society. It should come as no surprise that duplicitous mm-hmm. deals happen in the society as cunning as the drow. But here we see some of the scheming laid out for us to examine. Alton is pushed aside by Vierna as she enters his quarters and he's immediately suspicious. He's worried that maybe, maybe his identity has slipped and she knows who he is. But he quickly realizes that the identity that he has stolen was one of the spies used by Matron Malice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rumors of war on the winds have housed a word in trying to reestablish their former network, and Jell Roos was a part of that. When asked about the impending war, he quickly deflects and explains that they're, they're, just, they're just rumors, because he's backpedaling so fast right there. Yep. You know, because he's, he's just like, it's when you hear ice cracking. Like, you know you're in trouble. You don't know which way to run, but you know you can't stand there. <laughs> then when Vienna presses, he says, you know, I've, I've only heard a little. Not enough to report to your house. I did not even suspect suspect that House DeWarden was involved until now, when, when you informed me. And he's just kind of pushing mm-hmm. it off.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Alden has worked his way below her radar, and Vienna brushes off his hesitancy as him, maybe being upset that their previous payment had not been as promised maybe may not have been as effective as promised matron malice had sent an unguent is that is that how you say that or an ungent you know i don't even know oh okay I, well, well i'm like, going with unguent. unguent unguent it's a salve i'm on board or a I'm balm. On board. <laughs> and since the faceless one still went by the moniker of the faceless one it had obviously been unsuccessful I found that yeah. to be quite hilarious. That Vierna walks up and knows that hey, I dropped off this bomb about a couple of years back now, and uh, I see your face still jacked up. So, right, you know what? I know you're mad it didn't work this time.
0: Could be different. Did we? I guess we knew. We knew that that was his payment. The faceless one's so. payment. No, we... I thought it was. I thought it was mentioned like um, Dean Dienen... and. Oh, he when might Dean have met with the faceless one. I think he mentioned it. He,
1: he definitely I might think. have. Now I'm gonna have
0: to go uh, back there and
1: recheck. Guys, yeah. like yeah, Squad, too. do me a favor. Throw into the Discord. Let us know. Did 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 they know beforehand? And you can save me from backpedaling through about 16 <laughs> chapters of notes. So if anybody knows that, just go into our discussion board. Let it, let us know. Be, make me feel good. So. Vierna baits the offer just a little bit more, throws a little heavier of a promise on there, and says that they've got this wonderful wizard staff. And, you know, it just so happens House to warden doesn't have any wizards. So, Faisal's one, would you, would you love this wizard staff? You know what? All you've got to do is just do what you've always been doing. Keep your, keep your ear to the wind. The one that's a little bit crispy and deformed. <laughs> Alton promises he's going to do what he can and the moment passes. Then Alton immediately goes to Major Cynafay in order to tell her everything he knows, but she is not impressed. She already knows that the Dwordens have been recalled, and that they are preparing for war. Alton explains that Vierna showed up and wants to use the faceless one as a spy, as they once used him to try and assassinate Alton. Major oh, Cynafay, mm, she loves the irony. It's like it's like Winnie the Pooh and Honey. She's licking her fingers. It's great. <laughs> loves the irony. <laughs> She's. the situation is house toward and has reached out for help from those who seek to destroy them. They go on to work through some more of the plotting points and plans but I think it's really interesting how it wraps up because Alton starts to put two and two together and he stops and asks Mr. Cine, Matron Cinefe if she gave Jel Roos her blessing to assassinate Alton.
0: He's not a dummy. No, I, he's a little <laughs> slow on the
1: uptake but he's definitely not a dummy. And I gotta say, it's it's really kinda you had asked earlier and this is the moment it brings me to. It, it mm-hmm. she will not brook any dissension in her ranks without her approval or say so. Otherwise she will rip the weeds from the garden with no no care. Even if that's her yeah. son massage, I believe. So I think absolutely that what happened is Joe Roos came to her, told her, Hey, this is what's going on, and she was like, Yep, I right. you know, give it my blessing. There's no other way I see it going down. I know, right? <clears throat> 30 crazy. years
0: ago
1: Alton's like, Hey, well, let me just work this on here and clarify just this one minor point. 30 years ago, did, did you use your station as, as an advantage to profit from the house of the fall of Devere? And then suddenly Matron Sinafay has this little smile on her face that just just disappears in a flash. <laughs> Boom. gone. And throws a table in the most real housewives of, of New Jersey approach ever. Throws the table in anger, grips him up by his robes, gets face to face with him. And you can, you can just read the palpable tension and anger in the air. as She says, never confuse personal feelings with politics. Never ask me such a question again. I was like, oh. And this is where I got into it. I said, you know, it's essentially this confirms that she gave the order to assassinate Alton. I mean, for me, I I can't see it going any other way because Alton is reminded that really all he is is just a pawn, and it's you know really neat to point out the focus for me here is that Matron Cynafe almost certainly told Roos to go ahead and assassinate a noble of House Devere.
0: So, do you think Matron Cynafe got anything out of the deal? Um, like, uh, yeah. Roos was promised the salve, right? But nothing to Cinefay? I I don't think
1: directly. I think she might have then tried to use like more backworking and, you know, um, leverage to her favor. But I think in the similar way of uh, maturing and Ray, she's not going to get a lot from it if uh, House Devere and and, uh, goodness, House Hunette go at it. So right. I don't think I was just, that Cinefay that really just popped in my benefited head. that much. I think it's more of like, well, right. if this is already happening, I will take my cut
0: and it will be paid to my house. That's exactly what I just popped in my head. I was like, well, if if the Dwardns are attacking DeVere, they're not attacking Hunette, Yeah. and, and you, it, know, you know, just... on the
1: top of that, it gives her a layer of deniability. So if she works through her son, then it's you know, Matron Malice is gonna be like, hey, I need somebody to do something. Let's talk to Roos. But when Matron Cinefe now wants to have maybe her grandson put up on the the ruling council, she can have Roos approach. Uh, right. you know, major or Vienna in this case and say, Hey, you know, remember all that work I did for you? remember how, remember how good house internet was. And I think that's how leverage works a lot in the Draw society by proxies. Yeah. You know, they, they right. don't, they don't benefit right. per se, but uh, that which benefits the house benefits the matron. Right. That's our yeah. t-shirt for the merch category that we don't have <laughs> that, which benefits the house also benefits the matron. <laughs> <laughs> so it was neat because, she had to have given the order. We watched it and she killed. It's a noble of house. And I, I think that is something that we haven't seen yet. We've seen and kill Nalfine to get ahead. We've, we watched Massage actually kill Jelrus to get ahead. So it's not a surprise that Drow will use any chance in order to advance their station. But to see how Matron Senefe was able to have a rival house defeated in House Devere to advance her own house. That's that's the biggest thing she gets out of this because House Hunette was right. House Number Five, House De Vere was House Number Four. So, Major oh, right. Cenafay used her son and his station at Sorcier to aid House De Worden in the eradication of the house directly ahead of them.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So that 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 was why she was helping, yeah. probably partially at least. And you know um, they should
1: also maybe benefit by uh, regaining the beautiful face of Jelrus. That's got to also help house <laughs> your net, right? I mean, because may, may, maybe it, d- it didn't hurt. Or maybe it doesn't help, but it definitely doesn't hurt. You know, uh, you think about it. They got this, this, this son running around. He's the faceless one. He's the guy with the, the pock marks on his face that, that's half burned. If, right. It's probably got to affect him everywhere he goes in life. You know, like, oh, faceless one. Yeah. God, I don't give him the, you know, they always talk when he passes. But if they made him beautiful again, he could walk through and seamlessly be a social butterfly. So, again, maybe it doesn't actually help House Hunet, but it surely doesn't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) So, Matron Malice was able to get Dean in as the leader of the patrol with Drizzt on it, and I can't help but, again, think that she was using some influence and favors in a manner very similar to this. And, you know, that lets you know mm-hmm. the drow are very cunning and clever indeed. Everything they see is is an opportunity. You know, we saw her come across the, the Grey Dwarves earlier on, and the Grey Dwarves did nothing but have, like, a, a small falling out in public. And she saw it as an opportunity right. to get goods just given to her at, like, discount price. Like, I am always kind of in awe a little bit at just how manipulative they are. And how well they look at it and say, Well, you know, this is it's not us being manipulative, this is just good business. Right. (laughs) So Justin, that will bring me to the end of my dim light. I think it's time that maybe we uh light a lantern and go a little deeper.
0: What do you got for the dungeon delve, my friend? The Dungeon Delve. It's the part of the show where we link this chapter with our favorite Tabletop RPG. Jeffrey, turn your lantern on. It's dark in here. That's how we (laughs) like it. (laughs) I forgot to equip my dark vision spell. Uh, So uh, this week... What's all that uh, clacking? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, This week, uh, we saw during the ruling council scene that Alton was asked of his true identity... After one of the members cast a spell to determine if he was lying, and we didn't actually see her casting the spell, we saw that she was preparing it and everything. And I don't even think we didn't she know.
1: prepared it. Did she? I think she called it in to be prepared. It was,
0: well, not. that's she was calling someone in. Yeah, I, okay. I just assumed it was another matron casting it, but maybe not. Um, but she's just having a mimosa, like Charlotte. Charlotte, take, <laughs> take care of the minor magic. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, but we didn't know what they were casting. And so it's just like, what's going on here? And um, turns out, she, whoever it was, was casting some kind of spell to see if Alton was lying. And this could have been a simple detect thoughts spell, which we know we saw, in fact... Breeza. Early... Right? Yeah, people well, fear
1: that Breeza uses it. I don't well, know. Go ahead.
0: Just, yeah, just earlier in this chapter, when... Alton was talking with Vierna while he was lying to Vierna. He mentioned, or there was a mention of him hoping that she didn't have any thought detection going on.
1: Do you think maybe that thought protection doesn't even exist in the realm of Ari Salvatore's world, but that the women in the matriarchy are sitting around going, you know, if we tell those males that we can read their thoughts, those stupid bumbling idiots are going to think that we're, we're, we're migrators.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just every once in a while when they say something, every third statement they make, pause, look at them, and shake your head a little. Just look disappointed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it would be hilarious. Uh, so, yeah, this could have been a simple detect thought spell, but I don't, I don't know that we actually looked into detect thoughts at all in any of our episodes. I didn't. Okay, I don't think I did either, but I I went a totally different direction just because this made me think of. <laughs> now that we realize we both didn't, we swerve. <laughs> we could, but we're not. Nope, not uh, this time no. either, <laughs> sucker. It got me thinking of a different spell that is used specifically to tell if someone is lying or not. Uh, okay, it's a it's a, it's a very I'm cool spell. I don't know that we've ever used it in our campaign, but I've seen it done when I've watched D&D shows and stuff like that. So it's called Zone of Truth. Zone of Truth is a second-level enchantment spell. And looking through the different classes, I see bards can learn it. Um, What is that? Clerics. I know paladins can learn it. Druids. Doesn't look like druids do. So, I mean, it's... Not every class, but a number of classes here. So paladins, clerics, and uh, bards at least. So anyway. um... So it's a second level enchantment spell that takes one action to cast. And then within a range of 60 feet, the caster creates a magical zone that guards against deception. Oh no. Yeah. So creatures that are within this 15 foot sphere... So they, like, they cast this spell, like, it casts, like, up to 60 feet away, and it makes this 15-foot diameter bubble. Okay. Uh, and it's the zone of truth. And so any creature that is inside there is required to tell the truth. Oh, I would use that in so many taverns. You know, when you're right? trying
1: to, like, just get a little bit more information, you just have them cast it by the bar, then you stroll up, like, excuse right. me, bartender. Um <clears throat> <laughs> What's the lowest price you'd give me your mead for?
0: You know, what I mean, he'd be like, two dollars. Wait a minute, no, no, I wanted to charge you more. But um, that, well, I say that they're required to tell the truth, but they can try to deceive. What oh. they have to do, yeah, yeah, yeah. What they what they have to do is they have to succeed on a charisma saving throw against the the caster's spell DC. Up, oh, let me stop you right there. My
1: character is done. No charisma, he just does not get along. People grew up in the mountains. What do you want?
0: Right. What do you want? Yeah. (laughs) And so, if this is a matron mother casting this the spell, their spell DC I think was twenty. It was really high. Yeah. So it it would be really difficult to succeed on a on a deception against a matron mother in this situation. Um, on a successful save, they're they're able to deceive. Without the, I believe, without the caster even knowing that they deceived, but if they fail, then the creature has to tell the truth, and Ooh. the caster and the caster knows that they tried to lie. Well, I mean, then that the only thing they're
1: gaining there is the knowledge that you that you that you willfully tried to lie because
0: right. Mm. Well, I mean, they're they're obviously not cooperating but you're still getting the information that you wanted possibly um so an affected creature does they know that they're being affected by this spell so they can attempt to answer the or kind of like avoid answering the question they can try to just like dance around it and without lying but Maybe then be not, ambiguous. Yeah, yeah, and like not fully telling the truth. So as long as the creature is not lying, they can respond to the question in any way. Zone of truth does not work on politicians. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> I again I don't think this was the spell that the ruling council member was casting. Uh because Alton didn't really describe knowing that he was under any kind of spell effects. Right,
1: right. He would have like, um, felt
0: it or something,
1: right? Right. Or we saying. would have
0: seen we probably would have saw this. Well they zone would have drawn truth, attention to bubble. it because he would have right. seen it. Right. Okay. Right. That but makes sense. so I, yeah, so I don't think I don't think this was the actual spell that was used. But again, it's just a, a handy spell that could be used um to tell if someone's lying. Yeah. So that's that's why I wanted to highlight this because I don't like the last
1: line here that you got.
0: No. I <laughs> Uh, go ahead let them know <laughs> my last line is i wanted to highlight this spell because it could be a fun spell to use on the party at you know at some point through a campaign because <laughs> you know get them to stop deceiving your npcs all the time
1: <laughs> sir if an npc does not exist solely being manipulated and uh have the wool pulled <laughs> over their eyes? Then what are they even there for? They are non-playable <laughs> characters. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, I yeah. can't imagine a world where my character would have to tell the truth every time. Could you imagine you create yourself a nice little thieving rogue, and your DM is on this whole bench right. of throwing cast of truth from their 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 their, uh, their
0: characters? Yeah. Like, well, ugh. and and that was one of the one of the first times I saw this spell used was on one of my D shows I watched, the Dungeon Run and the this paladin casts zone of truth and the one pc walks in on like kind of reluctantly walks into the zone of truth and the paladin asks him what's your name and this is the rogue of the party he's like yeah i'm going to try to deceive and everyone else is like what just on principle alone <laughs> <laughs> well and well no like it turned out the party didn't actually even know this character's real name. Right. And they were like, man, I don't even know how many episodes in. Probably at least 25, well, no, even more, like 30 episodes in. Four hour episodes. Do the math. And that's how many hours these people didn't even know his name. And all of a sudden, Zone of Truth is like making it, you know, <laughs> bringing that out in the light. And they're just Wait, like, Wait, your Whoa. name is Ted? <laughs> we thought you were Jonathan. So, Jarnathon. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my d- uh i almost called it a dim light again no, I know sir, I, that's the dungeon delve I, I, that's my dungeon delve i realized i called my uh my dungeon delve i think two episodes ago i called it a dim light but who <laughs> that's know, my dungeon delve
1: when you read and say as many words as we do they don't come out in the order that you want them to we just gotta oh, we yeah. just gotta pick it up
0: and roll through with it it's, you just plow right through
1: it <laughs> so for me i wanted to uh you know take a little deeper of a delve into. Burn sooth ointment. Yeah. So this chapter seemed a little light when it came to the Dungeon Delve components. But fear not, because sometimes when the obvious doesn't reveal itself, you got to look at the object <laughs> from a different point of view, right? So we meet the agent formerly known as Jelrus, as Alton is getting propositioned for a deal, and find out that the House Door had offered the previous faceless one a cream that would heal his wound. His face. <laughs> and I thought it was really a fun time to take a look at the role-playing part of D&D again. Okay. So, there are quite a few different types of damage that you can take. We've, we've heard about piercing and slashing and bludgeoning. However,
0: uh-huh.
1: you may also run across fire and acid in this game. And there are times when the damage may disfigure your character or disable them in some manner. Maybe you lost an arm while fighting a bad guy and you find yourself short of limb to carry a shield. This would definitely have an impact on you, right? Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe your DM gets inventive and decides that they're going to disfigure you because you got dragged into a fire during a fight like we talked about with the grappling. Got all burned up. And then, I mentioned this a little bit with Joe Roos earlier, but that could actually affect how people in town treat you. It could affect how oh, you're, totally. you're viewed as you travel. It could become quite bothersome in ways one might not readily expect. And, uh, you know, I just did the Princess Bride on the other podcast, but it makes me think of the pain yeah. where he's like, I'll leave you your ears so you can hear the shrieks and the torment oh. of everybody who sees you. And it's like, that's <laughs> what I think of when I'm thinking like, oh, you're, you're melted, huh? Oh, bro. Right. Like you want to yeah. walk up and see your little nephew and flip, flip him a little coin and get a high five and they're running away in terror.
0: Right. And well, this is where like, I don't know, like the whole idea of long rests.
1: Well, they I mean, heal it's a, hit it's, points. It's, not necessarily damage.
0: <laughs> but I mean like, you know, you get shot with an arrow, right? Mm-hmm. When you get healed by say like a cleric, what happens? Do 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 you have to pull the arrow out and then it heals the the wound or as the cleric is healing you, does the arrow just pop out <laughs> See, as now, they're healed?
1: like I have always kind of pictured this as you would rip the arrow out and then the spell uh needs the flesh. Like kind it of, it right. weaves it back together
0: okay that would make a lot of sense and then like but after a long rest like you do get fully healed hit point wise yes hit point wise so it's just like i mean it's a fantasy world but i don't know i don't know like of course like you're not going to replace a limb when you're you're not going to sleep off a (laughs) <laughs> an amputated limb no but i guess um, maybe you
1: can make a uh, thing to go craft you a uh you know a gun on the side ooh. of your arm or, you know what i mean really depends on how deep and creative you want to get with it because i you know i do that know that cool. you know i think about it like if you take damage in a battle you wake up and you're rested you're healed but you still have scars you know so if you get you know a, okay. a, a critical hit to the face uh you're gonna take damage you can take a double damage maybe it costs you an eye and you're wearing an eye patch Why? for you know what i mean like those things, depending on your DM, they can choose to Jeff, mete out different kinds of punishment through. Jeffrey, you
0: roll. you are giving me some really good ideas here.
1: Just remember, the druid never gets hit.
0: <laughs>
1: As the druid, I you know. So I say all of that to bring up. Ready? This is one of the great parts of D and D because who knows anything about herb crafting?
0: I I saw this in your notes. <laughs> I'm so excited for this, and I oh, have I some keep stuff out a little bit. I I have some stuff for you. Beautiful. (laughs) I love it because I saw this and I was
1: like, I'm going through the chapter and I'm thinking to myself, what do I want to do? There's no like spell that jumps out to me because, you know, there's nothing nothing new that flies out at me. Like we had the wizard staff. We did have the the zone of truth. You already had the zone of truth. So I was like, herb crafting. I'm going to work that into this. So if you have proficiency in this skill, you can create salves and ointments by gathering items together and crafting the product. If you go to page 154 in the player's handbook, it actually describes the herbalism kit, which has uh, clippers, a mortar, uh, clippers, a mortar and pestle, pouches, vials, and more. So proficiency gives you a bonus when rolling checks for identifying and applying herbs. The first step is to get the recipe, then you go and get the uh, forage for the ingredients. The benefit of being proficient is that you can actually substitute local ingredients uh, for uh, as they're needed. If they're applicable. Some of the ingredients are going to be special items. Those need to be quested for in order to find the items you're looking for. You have to look one at a time. You can't just go blanket look unless your DM has it set up with you. And the terrain where the item is located for one hour at a time. So you have to spend one hour incrementally in a terrain. So if you know that you're looking for a mushroom and they're only found in swamps, you need to go spend an hour in that swamp foraging to try to find that mushroom. You don't, abs- mm-hmm. you don't find it just because you spent an hour there. During this hour, you can't do anything else. You can't travel too far from the spot. You're just foraging. At the end of your foraging day, the DM will have you make a DC. If you don't meet the lowest quality crafting, you did not turn up enough ingredients. An important note is that most ingredients cannot be stored indefinitely and require special storage like jars, uh, stuff like that. Jars, vials, stoppers, crystals, pouches, whatever depends on the different ingredients this makes stockpiling them very cumbersome and darn near impossible with a lot of them because they want to make sure that you're actively foraging and continuing instead of just Mm -hmm. carrying this tinker house on the back in a backpack with everything inside of it and your giant bag of holding um when it comes to recipes if you don't find the notes of an herbalist or have an herbalist in town to learn from, I found this interesting, you can actually use your kit to break down the items and assess their ingredients. So you're basically reverse engineering something you have in front of you. If they gave you this salve from House to Erden, you could use your herbalism kit to break it down, try to find out everything that went into it, and make your own. So, now that we know we can make stuff, what do we make? Well, Alden probably needed burn-sooth ointment. This is a paste composed primarily of roots and plant oils. It reduces pain and speeds the recovery of burns. If applied to a creature's wound within 10 minutes of their taking fire damage from any source or within 10 minutes of the end of an encounter, then the creature will heal 3d6 or 5d6 plus 2 or 6d8 plus 2, depending on the quality. It can be minor, worth 20 gold moderate worth 40 gold or masterwork worth 50 gold it expires within 24 hours the ingredients are normally in a forest or swamp and the crafting dc is a 10 15 or 20 depending on which level that comes in at masterwork being the 20 for the three different levels we also notice however that it must be applied pretty soon after the event so it turns out oh. it would not have been able <laughs> to help jill and it right. definitely won't help alden
0: yeah All right. So Jeffrey. Yes. I, while you were talking about your dungeon delve, I shared something with you and maybe we'll, we'll post it in the discord as well. Uh, In, in our, in our Google drive. Okay. I posted a homebrew herbalism and alchemy set of rules that, um, I mean, I've had this for years And I've always wanted to use it, but it's all about what you were just talking about. Plus, oh, so much more. Um, It goes into the specific ingredients and what they do, what their special condition is, what their their potion effect is. It goes into it goes into how rare they are. It goes into where you would find them. And if you want to go look for them, you have to... um, you know, like you were saying, go spend an hour there. Then you get to roll on this random table that, that has the random tables in there and it tells you what you find. Um, it has different DCs for uh, DC modifiers for when oh, you yeah. are actually this is, potion this is making. You should definitely it, share this with the people. I mean, it, I don't even remember where I found this. I just remember finding it at one point and being like, Cause I totally Because these are the pages
1: want... out of the book, right? basically. Well, that's what
0: it looks yeah. like, but no, I mean, they made it look very official. It's all homebrew. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um and it and it talks about the specific plant life. So, arctic creeper, this noxious weed usually grows in extremely cold environments or at higher elevations where snow oh man bro we have definitely got to do
1: like a one-off where we are foraging to to to, right the whole thing because it gives you something as simple as for those people who haven't seen it yet hopefully we'll get this uploaded it says hills ingredients uh you roll 2d6 for let's say common ingredient roll on common ingredient table you have stuff like devil's blood leaf nightshade berries tail leaf like that's that's so cool so
0: yeah so that those are the things that you would find then and then you would go into like the there's tables like i said that Tell you what the enchantment is if it's an enchantment ingredient or if it's a potion ingredient, and tells you what the potion effect is. Like, so cool! It's so cool. I've always wanted to use it, but <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll definitely
1: have to find a way to make this come into play. Because I mean, for the people who are wondering, like, it also gives you um, the randomness of finding it. So, so going back right. to say the swamp ingredients, like I mentioned, you will roll two d six. Why am I rolling two d six? Well, you want to find out what you found. So I roll two d six, and I roll randomly a nine. So you roll down here, you look down here, and it says, "Well, now you have found blue toad shade. Find two times the rolled amounts." It's like, oh, oh, that's wicked! Uh, Whoever put this together has done a wonderful job, and I do. I think they really did this. Yeah,
0: yeah. Again, I have no idea where I found it. I have no idea who to give credit to, but I mean, it probably says at the very top who wrote it. But um, Dallagroth. Dallagraph supplement designer Dallagraph, testing and
1: balancing is by gamer maker repost, and then the flavor texts are Dallagraph and Dallagraph, yeah, and shrimp. So <laughs> and
0: shrimp, Dallagraph, Smigs,
1: <laughs> shrimp. We we appreciate you putting together this beautiful document. We're gonna go ahead and share it with our dim light squad. Uh, for those of you who are listening, for those of you who are watching, we'll wave to you. Hey guys, come check <laughs> this out. I mean, stuff like this is uh, yeah. how we go beyond the page together, and I mean how
0: we just continue to take everything a step further and have fun together. Yeah. All right. So, um, I think that's going to do it for this episode. So thank you everyone that is listening. Remember that if you would like to be, um, if you would like to, sorry, if you like this show, this show, give <laughs> this show, yes, <laughs> give us a five-star rating. Also make sure you are getting the most out of this podcast. Pick up a copy of the book and read along with us or you can remember you can always listen to the audiobook listen during your commute while you're sitting in traffic during your commute <laughs> uh, while you're walking through the park on these nice spring days that we've been having probably been not probably not so nice springy nice and springy in New Zealand but um, feel free to let us know, you know. if it is <laughs> and uh, or you know maybe you're sitting in class and it's super boring maybe <laughs> don't listen to us, <laughs> to us during class. As a former teacher, I can see the <laughs> hesitance
1: in your face where you say, mm, you know, I don't feel so strong about this one. Yeah, I mean, if it's this show, I'm sure your teacher would be fine with it. You know what? <laughs> let your teacher know you're listening to this show. They might love it too.
0: Oh, I'm sure they would. So, uh, When you've read the next chapter, let us hear your favorite parts. Email us. You can reach us at drizdonright at gmail.com or You can log on to our Discord and join in on the ongoing discussion there. We would love to hear from you. Folks, the end of the
1: show is what comes after all the fun that we've had in the middle. It's just the way that it's structured. I know, it's got to be really hard to say goodbye when you're part of a community that's as fun as this one. If you're all enjoying the show we put on before you, then go to the episode link, click the button that says support this show, send a dollar, send five, send whatever you want. If you've got the ability... And we're going to keep putting it towards making a more beautiful world for us all to adventure in together. So until we meet again, while we wait for the next time for you to press play, farewell. Play fair. Be well.